Good. Well, let's pray and ask God to meet us in, in the scriptures this morning. What Natasha said is just so true, Father. And what Jim shared, all these things that have been shared this morning, you are so abundantly good to us through Jesus Christ. And we love you. And we want to open up your word now. And would you come and give us hearts that would be responsive. Give us ears to hear your word with with a big old yes. And give us hearts that would respond to your word with total trust and acceptance. And Lord, do a powerful work in us. I pray for help for me, Lord, as I open up the scriptures. Give me just clarity and wisdom and strength, I pray. And work in each of us now, Lord. We we tremble at your word. What What a precious gift we have in the scriptures. So meet us. Teach us, mold us, encourage us, strengthen us, change us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Good. Well, this morning, um, what we're going to see from the book of Isaiah is, is the seriousness of pride, how God punishes pride. Uh, but before we get to Isaiah, to set the stage for that, I want to read you a scripture that's from the book of Acts, and it's going to be up here on the screen. Acts chapter 12, verses 20 to 23. I just want you to feel what's, what's, what's being described here in terms of God's response to pride. There it is. Okay, Acts 12, 20 to 23. Listen to these words. Now Herod, King Herod, was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, so all the people of Tyre and Sidon have gathered to the king, on on an appointed day, King Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a god and not of a man. Just hear the, the crowds. The voice of a god, not of a man. That's what they're shouting. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. So Herod did not give God the glory. Herod wanted the glory. Herod was proud. And immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him He was eaten by worms, breathed his last. So see, God punishes pride. We see it in the book of Acts, and that's what Isaiah wants to show us from this next section. We're going through the book of Isaiah, and each section by section, Isaiah's got certain truths he wants to drive home to us. And what we're going to see this morning is that God punishes pride. And so let's go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 9. And I'd like you each to have a, a Bible open in front of you. So if, if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. I know we say this every week, but we'd love to bring one to you so that you can open this up and follow along with us. Isaiah 9 is on page 573 in the Bibles we're passing out. So this morning we're going to cover Isaiah chapter 9, verse 8, through to chapter 10, verse 19. And chapter 9, verse 8 through chapter 10, verse 19 breaks into two sections. Okay, in chapter 10, I'm sorry, chapter 9, verse 8 through chapter uh, 10 through 4, Isaiah talks about how God's going to punish Israel. 
And then in the next section, chapter 10, verse 5 through 19, how God's going to punish Assyria. But as I studied these two sections about how God's going to punish Israel and how God's going to punish Assyria, what I noticed is that Isaiah takes great pains to help us understand that both Israel and Assyria are going to be punished for the exact same sin. Isaiah highlights this for us. And I think what his intention is, is that as we are reading through the scroll of Isaiah, where God's people were reading through his word, at this point Isaiah wants us to say, whoa, God punishes pride. Pride in Israel, pride in Assyria, God punishes pride. And he wants us to search our hearts to say, Lord, are there pockets of pride in me that I've not dealt with? Is there pride in my heart? And then the good news we're going to end this morning is that you can be cleansed from whatever pockets of pride you're dealing with, struggling with, through Jesus Christ this morning, right now, God can cleanse you from the areas of pride. So don't be freaked out if you notice pockets of pride knowing that God's going to punish them. He will, but if you bring them before Jesus and let him cleanse them, then you're covered. Okay, so let's dig in. What's this sin? Am I doing something wrong here, Donnell? Anyway, all right. What sin do Israel and Assyria have in common? And I already told you, it's, it's pride. Now, just, just to get a quick sense here, so, so there's Assyria, down there's Israel, just so you see where um, they're located. Israel's sin was pride. Look at chapter 9, verses 8 through 10. This is Isaiah chapter 9, 8 through 10. Listen to what Isaiah says. The Lord has sent a word against Jacob, and it will fall on Israel, Jacob, just a synonym for Israel, all kinds of different phrases describing God's people. So God sent a word against Jacob, it'll fall on Israel, all the people will know, Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, that's the northern part of Israel, who say in pride and in arrogance of heart, the bricks have fallen, but we will build with dressed stones. The sycamores have been cut down, but we will put cedars in their place. So notice that phrase, arrogance of heart, did you catch that? You might want to underline that. That's how Isaiah describes Israel's pride, arrogance of heart. It's a very unique phrase in Hebrew. It's only used one other place in the Old Testament in chapter 10 to describe Assyria's pride. So Isaiah wants to highlight Israel's got arrogance of heart, Assyria's got arrogance of heart. Look at chapter 10, verse 12. Here's Assyria being described as having arrogance of heart. Chapter 10, verse 12 When the Lord has finished all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, and what that means is, God's going to bring Assyria to punish Israel, and then God will finish that punishing work. When he's done using Assyria to punish punish Israel, he will punish the speech of, here's the phrase, the arrogant heart, exact same phrase as chapter 9, verse 9, he will punish the speech of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria, and the boastful look in his eyes. Okay, so that's the exact same phrase, only used twice in the whole Old Testament. Chapter 9 about Israel, chapter 10 about Assyria. And so Isaiah wants to go out of his way. As we've got this section where God's punishing Israel, he's punishing Assyria, he's punishing Israel for pride, arrogant heart, he's punishing Assyria for pride, arrogant heart. Isaiah wants to say, listen, readers, do you have pride? Do you have an arrogant heart? God punishes pride, God punishes arrogant hearts. But then Isaiah will say, you can be cleansed. So he wants us to take this very seriously. Do we have pride? Okay, so what is pride? What is pride? And so described all through the scriptures, here's, here's just how I, I put it as I was thinking about it. Pride is this, it's this passion 
that we, we all have it, if you think about it. It's, it's a passion we have to be self-reliant, so I'm, I'm not dependent on anything else, to make independent decisions. I'm calling the shots. I'm making my own decisions. No one else is telling me what to do. You know, that kind of passion that gets, right? That's pride. It's a passion to, to be honored, to be noticed, to be glorified, to be esteemed, to be exalted. I, I just love, uh, in my pride, being above other people. Duh, it's, it's, it's kind of ugly to say it, but right? That, that's the, the passion in there. To be in control. How many of you like to be in control? Okay? Come on now. We all love to be in control, okay? So it's our passion to be self-reliant, make our own decisions, be honored, be in control. Now you might wonder, what's wrong with that? That sounds like a good way to live. And if you think about it horizontally in terms of us with other people, I mean, you'd want to nuance it some. It may not feel quite as bad, but what it really becomes clearly wicked is when we bring God into the equation. Okay? God. Don't leave God out of the equation. He is the most important reality in the universe. So let's bring God into the equation. Let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. Okay? It all starts back with, in fact, Adam and Eve's sin was pride. They caused the fall and brought God's curse upon the whole earth. It was pride. But just kind of get the flow of thought in Genesis 1. First of all, God creates, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And so here God has displayed, just first of all, that he is God. And he's displayed his amazing power. I mean, last year we did a series on the story of God, and I forget how many billions of galaxies, which are 500 million light years long. Anyway, the the picture of how big the universe is is just absolutely stunning when you think about it. That God, at one point, all there was was God, and he spoke a word, and then, boom! Universe! With its intricate organization and, and the, the paradise he's created and the world as it is. And so God displays his power. He displays his authority. He displays his majesty, his perfect wisdom. And then... Out of amazing mercy and grace, God creates Adam and Eve. Now, they didn't do anything to deserve this. They, they weren't in existence. And then he, he gave them life. I mean, just think what a gift it was to give them life. And he gave them bodies, which are just astonishing what our bodies can do for free. He just gave them life. He gave them bodies. He gave them each other. He placed them in a paradise where every one of their needs was going to be met. And then best of all, he gave them himself. This awesome being that they can know and love and trust and worship and behold so that their hearts could be filled overflowing like we've been singing about this morning. So God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates Adam and Eve. He puts them in the paradise and he says to them, now listen, all of this can be yours forever. Forever. If you will simply bend the knee before me, recognizing who I am, I'm God. Look at what I've done. I've made all this for you. Recognize who I am. I'm God. I am the sovereign. I'm full of love. I'm full of goodness. I'm full of faithfulness. In knowing me, your heart will be completely satisfied forever. All this can be yours forever. Just bend the knee and acknowledge who I am. And what did Adam and Eve say? 
They said no. That's what it means when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They said, no, we want independence. That's what that Hebrew idiom means. We want to call the shots. We want to make our own decisions. We want to be independent. We want to be self-reliant. Remember what the serpent said to them? Eat of this, you will be like God. They wanted to be like God. Self-reliant, independent, calling the shots, making their own decisions, being in control. That's pride. Now, can you feel some of why that's so wrong? Uh, think about it like this. All of us are like, like a grape branch created to receive everything we need from the grape vine. Okay? You are a grape branch. Just kind of go there a little bit, okay? You're, you're, this is who you're created to be. You are a grape branch. And as a grape branch... You were created to be completely dependent upon the vine for everything. It doesn't mean you don't do anything. Grape branches can bear luscious bunches of amazing grapes that you can put in your salads and you can make wine out of it. Okay, Grapes are fantastic. But for, to do that, to do that amazing thing, the branch has to be completely reliant on the grape vine, right? So imagine how wicked, I mean, for a branch to say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to depend upon the vine anymore. I want to be independent, thank you. What's going to happen? Okay, right? It's not going to be pretty. It'll just, it won't do anything. So this is what Adam and Eve did towards God. And this is what all of us, we've all even done this this last week, if we're honest with ourselves. There's been times this last week where we wanted to be in control. No, thank you, God. I'm going to make my own decisions. Sorry. Every time we sin, that's what we're saying. We want to be self-reliant. And that's what pride is. That's the sin of pride. It's where we look at who God is, all he's created, all he's given to us, all he promises to be to us, and we say, no, I want to be self-reliant, I want to call the shots myself, I want to be independent, I want to be in control, no thank you. And it's like a grape branch rebelling against the grape vine. So do you have a pride problem? I, I would guess probably we would all say, yeah, we probably do, but I don't think any of us, including me, see it as clearly, as clearly as we need to. So as I was studying this, I thought, well now, does Isaiah give us any clues as to how we could notice pride in our lives? Like, what are some of the symptoms of pride? Does he give us any more details on like, what it looked like for Israel to have pride, what it looked like for Assyria to have pride? And I noticed three symptoms of pride in this passage. First of all, you can tell you have pride when you find you are making your own plans while ignoring God's purposes. Look at Isaiah chapter 9, verses 8 through 10. We already read this. Just read it again and and notice that Israel is making their own plans while ignoring God's purposes. Verse 8, the Lord has sent a word against Jacob and it will fall on Israel and all the people will know Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, who say in pride and arrogance of heart, the bricks have fallen, but we will build with dressed stones. The sycamores have been cut down, but we will put cedars in their place. Here's what's going on. God has said, I'm going to be bringing Assyria against you to punish you for your sin. And so Israel is saying, okay, so Assyria knocks down our houses, the, the brick walls in the houses, knocks down our houses with the sycamore beams. We're going to rebuild with better materials. So what they're doing here in this passage is, is they are 
making their own plans and ignoring God's purposes, ignoring what God is doing. Do we ever do that? Remember we studied the book of James a few months ago? Uh, end of James chapter 4, I think it is, where James says, when you make plans, it's good to make plans, make plans, but you should say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Remember that passage? And so I just want to challenge you to think about all the times when we make plans, like I'm going to go to Safeway, and then I'll hit the laundromat, and then I'll come home. Or I'm going to mow the lawn, then I'll watch the 49ers. Or all the different times when we make plans. And that might sound like a little thing, but if you're making your plans and there's no sense of God, what are his purposes? What is, what is he going to sovereignly allow me to do? If there's no sense of God in your thinking, then at that moment, you are like fully proud thinking you can do these things on your own. It's up to you. You are in control. It's your call what you're going to do. And ignoring God's purposes and God's sovereignty. Do you see that? At those times when we make plans with no sense of of God's purposes, God's sovereignty, at that point in time, we are in prideful rebellion against God. You may think, I'm just making plans. Come on. But do you see that God's not in your picture? Anywhere, you are a practical atheist at that point in your pride. That's one symptom. That one hit me. I've made plans this last week without, uh, hopefully not without any reference to God, but without the due reference to God that I should have had. And we all have done that, haven't we? Secondly, another symptom of pride is when we don't repent before God for our sin. Look at verse 13, chapter 9, verse 13. This is still about Israel. These first two are about Israel. The people did not turn to him who struck them, nor inquire of the Lord of hosts. God had struck Israel in in punishment for their sin, but his purpose in striking them was so they would turn to him, come back to him. He wanted them to come back to him. He wanted to wake them up, come back. But when he struck them, they did not turn to him. They still didn't turn to God in genuine repentance. So when was the last time, you just think in your own mind, when was the last time that you genuinely, from the bottom of your heart, came before the Lord and repented over wrongdoing? Genuinely just were broken before the Lord for your sinfulness. Father, I'm sorry. With no excuses, no rationalizations, just, Father, I've sinned against you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Not just like while you're driving, oh Lord, forgive me, I shouldn't have done that, but but really coming before the Lord and repenting. See, repentance isn't something that just takes place at the beginning of our Christian lives. Repentance should be a daily, maybe daily, frequent, right, practice where we are frequently coming before the Lord for our sin and repenting before him. So just ask yourself, when was the last time that you really came before God and, and repented over your sin? From, from the heart and really met him in it. Now here's the beautiful thing. When you do that, when you come before God the Father and repent for your sin and, and put your trust in Jesus, his death on the cross to forgive you, the amazing thing, what will happen is your sense of guilt will lift off of you and his covering of forgiveness will come upon you and you will feel his power changing you. Now, those are gifts that come to us from repentance. That's why repentance is such a beautiful, wonderful thing. 
And if you haven't been repenting, then you've been missing that. And if you haven't been repenting, it's been because of pride. So, Mercy Hill Church, why wouldn't you want to repent before the Lord? You can receive forgiveness. You'll receive cleansing, a fresh outpouring of his love. Sin's uh, power will be broken. (laughs) Why wouldn't you want to do that? Stop being so proud, Fuller. Okay? And all the rest of us. All right. That's the second symptom. Third, this is the one from Assyria now, a symptom that we see in Assyria. Taking credit for what I've done instead of glorifying God. Here's what's going on. Israel had sinned. Okay? God raised up Assyria to punish them. And so God raised up Assyria, equipped Syria, and moved Syria to come down and attack Israel, and enabled Assyria to conquer Israel. So everything that Assyria did, Assyria did, but did because God ordained and moved that she would do it. All right? And so look at what Assyria, though, says in verse 13. Chapter 10, verse 13. Assyria claimed that she was able to do this all by herself. Here's the verse. For he, Assyria, says, by the strength of my hands... I have done it. And by my wisdom, for I have understanding, I remove the boundaries of peoples and plunder their treasures. Like a bull, I bring down those who sit on thrones. So see here, the king of Assyria is boasting, kind of strutting all the stuff. I've done this. I did this. I did this. I did this. Praise me. I did this. Now, what's the problem with that picture? Look at verse 15. Shall the axe boast over him who hews with it or the saw magnify itself against him who wields it all Assyria is as an axe in God's hands okay now if this axe was not in God's hands just down there on the ground what's that axe going to do it's not a trick question okay nothing all right God has to come over and say, this axe isn't going to do anything. I'm going to use this axe, and I'm going to, I'm going to bring punishment against Israel, okay? So then the axe is saying, look what we did. We did this. I did this. I did this. I did this. I did this. We did this. I did this. Wrong. God did this. And so Assyria here is taking credit for what she has done instead of glorifying God. Now, aren't we all prone to do that? I am. And, and you are too. And we need to get in touch with it because it shows pockets of pride. I mean, but think about it. Like if your kids are doing well or if the, if the dinner came out really great or if you made some money in the stock market or if you got the job or you nailed the account or whatever it might be, okay? Do you see those wonderful things as gifts from God purchased through Jesus' death on the cross for you? given to you at the price of his shed blood so that you say, Father, thank you. My kids are doing well. Thank you that the dinner came out. You know, Thank you for the money in the star, whatever it might be. Or do you say, I did it. I'm doing it. Doing pretty good, aren't I? See, then there's pride in that case. Okay, so are you seeing some pockets of pride, some practices of pride that maybe you weren't in touch with? This is what Isaiah wants us to be, just he wants us to be thinking deeply about our own hearts here. And let me tell you, I've been walking with the Lord now for, I can't think of the years that quick, I'm not that good at math, but it's, it's like a long time. I don't know, I mean, Jan could help me. 
since I was 18, and I'm 55 now, so that's a long time, but the longer I walk with the Lord, the more, um, the more clearly I see how much pride there is in me. And the more hateful pride feels to me. And I want to say that because the longer you walk with Jesus, I don't think the, the way it goes is that you, you see your sin less and less. Hopefully there is less sin, but the sin you see it be, feels worse and worse. Does that make any sense at all? That's why you should be becoming more and more broken before the Lord and more and more humble the more and more sanctified you become. I hope I'm becoming more and more sanctified. Does that make sense? Okay. So let this passage, what Isaiah wants to do with great love, he would want his readers to be saying, okay, now, Father, show me my, my pride. Show me where there's pockets of pride. Show me where it is, be, be, because it's serious. And, and why is pride so serious? We've, we've already looked, seen from Acts, but it's because God responds to pride by punishing it. Let me just show you that in, in the text here. How does God respond to pride? Punishing it. So there's two sections in this passage. Chapter 9, verse 8 through 10, 4, God says he'll punish Israel for her pride. Look at verse 11. Right after the boastful statement of verse 10, God says, But the Lord raises the adversaries of Rezin. Now that, that's just a phrase for Assyria. Okay, if you've got the ESV study Bible, you see that in the notes there. That's just another word for Assyria. So God will raise up Assyria against him, namely Israel, and God stirs up Israel's enemies. So see the map here? Okay, so here's, here's the Assyrian Empire right here. All right, and what ended up happening was Assyria conquered here. These are conquered cities and came down and took this whole area and this whole area right here. So those are the areas that Assyria came in from the northeast, just came in and conquered. Now turn to, to see that this actually happened, turn to 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 6. 2 Kings, back to the left, chapter 17, verse 6. That's page 323 in the Bibles we just passed out. Look at 2 Kings Chapter 17, verse 6. Because what God says he will do here to Israel through Assyria, he does. 2 Kings 17, verse 6, page 323 in the Bibles we just passed out. Listen to what happens. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria. And he carried the Israelites away to Assyria. Took them away. Captive. Slaves placed them in Hala and on the Habor, the river of Gaza and in the cities of the Medes. So God punished Israel for her pride. Isaiah just wants us to feel that. Pride is punished by God. And again, remember why. I mean, pride, when we think about the fact that here's God, who who is God, who calls the shots, who's in control, who is loving, good, kind, who's committed to caring for every need that you have, who says, trust my guidance, trust my decisions, I'll tell you how to live. Everything, everything that you need is found in knowing God, trusting God, finding heart satisfaction in God. And for us created beings to say to our creator, no, I want to be on my own, I want to call the shots, I want to be self-reliant. You can't call the shots. You were never made to call the shots. You were not created to be self-reliant. You're rebelling against exactly what God created you to be. So just like if you think of all these little grape branches all over the ground dying, and this massive, luscious, fruitful grapevine in the middle, something's wrong with this picture. 
There's wickedness here. All these little grape branches, you're, you're wicked to break off from the grape vine just because you want to be who you aren't. And so God punishes Israel for her pride. And then God punishes Assyria for her pride as well. Chapter 10, verse 12. Again, I'll read this again. When the Lord has finished all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, that is, finished punishing Israel through Assyria, he will punish the speech of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the boastful look in his eyes. Now, turn back to 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 35. That's page 327. 2 Kings 19, 35. I want to show you that everything God prophesies through Isaiah here, he does. And he's doing it to punish pride. 2 Kings 19, 35. Did I see what page it was on? That's on page 327. Verse 35, And that night the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. When people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed, went home and lived at Nineveh. And as he was worshipping in the house of Nisroch, his god, Adramalek and Sharazer, his sons, struck him down with the sword and escaped into the land of Ararat, and Esarhad and his son reigned in his place. 185,000 soldiers killed, Sennacherib himself killed. God punishes pride. Okay? And it's not just that there's sometimes when God punishes pride. Remember James chapter 4, verse 6? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Oh, God gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. God loves to give grace. And he gives it to the humble, those who bend their knee before him, who receive Jesus as their Lord and their Savior and their treasure, say, I need you, help me, forgive me, change me. God gives grace to the humble, but to the proud, God opposes them. God opposes the proud. So see, it's crucial that we be cleansed from pride. Isaiah wrote these chapters so that we would be cleansed from pride. And it's crucial that we be cleansed. If if you've got a pocket of pride in you that the Holy Spirit's helping you see this morning, that pride won't just like go away with time. Pride in our hearts, just like any sin, it's it's like a cancer. It's like a tumor that will grow. And it will kill you. It'll end up growing and it'll end up dominating your heart so that your heart is just filled with pride. That's what sin does. So it's crucial that we deal with pride in our hearts. Now here's the the wonderful news. Like I said earlier, you can be completely cleansed from that pride. Doesn't mean you become perfect. Tomorrow you might need to be cleansed from tomorrow's pride and the next day. but, But the point is, you can be cleansed. God, by His grace, has given you weapons of war that you can use to slay the dragon of pride. You have been given the weapons, the sword of the Spirit, that you can use to slay the dragon of pride. It's in you right now. You're you're feeling it. Nobody here should be thinking, dang, I felt bad when I came in and I'm like really feeling bad because I'm I'm proud and I'm going to get punished and there's nothing I can do about it. 
Well, maybe you're proud, and, but there is something you can do about it. Okay? So how do we get cleansed from our pride? That's the crucial question I want to leave you with here. That's the question. If you were, were reading through, like an Israelite reading through Isaiah, that's the question you'd be raising at this point. Now, Isaiah's already told us how in his book. I'd like to stick with his book. Remember chapter 6? We looked at this two weeks ago. Remember how Isaiah was cleansed from his sin? He doesn't mention that it was pride, but he was cleansed from his sin in chapter 6. He tells us, tells Israel, tells us how he was cleansed from his sin so that we can all be cleansed from our sin. Remember how that happened? There are three steps. First of all, he saw God. He says, I saw the Lord sitting on the temple. He saw God in his absolute authority over everything. And he saw God in his perfect holiness, goodness, beauty, majesty. And he saw God in his revealed glory. So nobody has any excuse. So he saw God's an authority. God is beautiful beyond imagination, good, loving. And God has revealed himself to us. So he saw God, first step. And then he saw his sin in light of who God is. And he said, remember what he said? Woe is me, for I am undone. He didn't make any excuses for his sin. He just said, in light of who God is, my sin is horrible. And it deserves punishment, period. Woe is me. But then, he looked to God in his mercy. He turned from his sin and he just looked to God in his mercy. And God cleansed him from his sin. Cleansed him and lifted off from him the guilt for his sin and brought forgiveness upon him and broke the power of his sin. Now that's how Isaiah was cleansed from sin in Isaiah chapter 6. That's still how we are cleansed from sin now after Jesus has come. Except that we see even more clearly God in the person of Jesus and we understand how God can forgive sinful people like us for our sins and the answer is because he took all the punishment that Steve Fuller deserved and he poured it out upon Jesus and he he crushed his son Jesus on the cross. Everything Jamie's going to see in the Passion of the Christ was God the Father doing to His Son because He loves you. He wants to forgive you. Jesus was willing. The Father was willing. Demonstrated His love in doing that for us. So here's what I want us to do right now. I just want us to do a little kind of a lab. Okay, we've had the lecture. Now it's time for the lab. And I just want to walk us through this. And Dave, you could come up if you want to. And, and just I'm just going to walk us through those three steps. And if you want to do a little, I don't know, Dave always does good stuff in the background. But I just want us to pray. You know, it's so easy to come to church and hear a sermon and you leave and that's helpful, you know. And, and then, you know, what's for lunch? And then it's gone, right? And I just want to take some time now. we we got some time. And, and just do this together for two reasons. One is I, I'm praying that as we do this, Right now, God will come through Jesus by the Holy Spirit and things will happen in your heart between you and Him. If you mean this, if you, if you do this intentionally, coming before God through Jesus, He will come and you will experience heart change taking place right now. So one reason I want to do this now is so that you'll experience change happening now. But the second reason I want to do this is so that you'll learn how you can be cleansed from pride and from any area of sin when it arises. This is how we do battle against sin. Any sin, every sin, but we're focusing on pride this morning. So let's just, let me just pray for us right now, and I want, to, I want us to walk us through this. Lord, I, I pray right now, would you come? 
And I pray that this wouldn't just be words that our people are hearing, and, but I pray that you'd enable each of us, Lord, right now to turn to you. Father, as you've revealed yourself to us through Jesus. And that each of us could put out of our minds like who's sitting around us and, and that we would just see you right now. And, and Lord, help us to do this meaningfully. And would you come and would you meet us right now? Would you lift the guilt of pride off of us and pour out your love and forgiveness upon us? And would you break the power of pride in us right now, I pray. I need this more, Lord, and we each need this more. So come and work in our hearts right now. So just start off, maybe your eyes are closed, but just start off looking at who God is. That's where it started with Isaiah, chapter 6. Look at who God is. Let me just give you a couple things to think about and then ponder them. First of all, God created the heavens and the earth. Ponder that for a moment. Just think about that. Think about it. Talk to God about it. Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. Breathtaking. Psalm 139 says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you. See who God is in that. Are you seeing it? Just see it. Father, help us to see these things, to to feel these things right now. God has all the wisdom you need for how you should live. Perfect, flawless wisdom. Just see Him in that right now. God has promised to meet every need you're ever going to have. Philippians 4.19 He wants you to come to Him. He is the need meter. We're the needy ones. He's the fountain that meets our needs. He's the creator. We're the created. He will meet every need we ever have. So just see God's bigness, sovereignty, perfections, See his love then in the cross. Look at what he did so that you could be forgiven. Sending his own son, crushing, crushing his son with the punishment that I deserved and that you deserved. So look at God's love. I mean, do you you see God is loving, flawlessly wise, infinitely powerful, full of joy in the perfections of the Trinity. 
faithful to every need you'll ever have. This is who God is. There is no reason ever, ever to break off from him. He's the vine branch. He's the, yeah, we're the, anyway, you remember that one? Okay, he's, we, we should be stuck on him. So just see who God is. See him, see him. Now, see your pride for the sin that it is. See it for the sin that it is. In light of who God is, how can you think that that you're supposed to call the shots? Are you kidding me? How can you think that that you should be in control of your life. He made you. You owe everything to Him. And He's perfectly good and loving and kind, just like Natasha was saying and many others of us earlier. Lord, come and help us to see the wickedness of our pride now. We can get so used to it. It can feel so normal. Help us, Lord, right now to see this, to feel this. And then say with Isaiah, in light of who God is, in light of the sin of my pride, woe is me. Woe is me. I'm undone. For the creature to rebel against the Creator, for us needy, people to rebel against an overflowing, good, loving, kind God. It's it's hateful. It's wicked. Woe is me. Just tell, tell, tell God you're sorry. Father, we're sorry. I'm sorry. Just repent before the Lord right now for pride. Turn from your pride and trust yourself completely to God through Jesus. Just as an act of the will, say, I'm going to turn my back on that pride and I'm going to trust you now, Father, through Jesus Christ. I'm going to trust you. I see your goodness displayed in the heavens. I see your wisdom flawless wisdom I see your love displayed on the cross I turn to you I trust you I bend the knee before you right now surrender my life fully to you it's like what Ian was saying earlier not just a part of my life surrender my life to you you're, you're my God you're my creator you're my savior Surrender every part to you right now, especially that part that I have a hard time surrendering. But every part. (laughs) And look at the cross. Jesus suffered and died because he loves you so that you could be forgiven for that pride and for all of your sin. 
So ask God to forgive you. Ask Him to lift the guilt off of you and and to pour out His love and forgiveness upon you right now. Ask Him. Come and do that, Lord, right now, I pray. Pour out forgiveness. Pour out your love. And ask God to change your heart. You probably are already feeling that happening, but ask Him to do it even more so that that default mode of pride that we can just so easily fall into, that that he He would change that. He would set you free from that so that your default mode would be humble dependence upon Jesus Christ every moment of every day for everything you need, every decision you make. Humble dependence upon Jesus Christ. You call the shots. What do you want me to do? What's your purpose for me? Help me with this need. Give me wisdom for this decision. I cast my cares upon you because you care for me. Give me a humble heart, Father. So, Father, I pray for your power to be upon us right now. I praise you that through Jesus' death on the cross, all the guilt for pride in every sin can be paid for. All that guilt can be washed away from us. Every bit of it, past, present, and future. And because of your death and resurrection, sin's power, power of pride in every sin can be broken right now. Right now. There is no sin whose power you can't, won't break. Thank you. So bring your power upon us right now, Lord, I pray. Cleanse us. And I pray that we'd be a people this afternoon, tomorrow, Tuesday, when we see pride welling up again, that we would, as quickly as we can, we would come before you, see who you are, see pride for what it is, turn from it and trust you and receive fresh forgiveness and fresh cleansing from pride, I pray, Lord. Thank you for your mercy, Lord, in having Isaiah write these words so that we could search our hearts and see areas where there's pride. And thank you that you don't just point out sin in our hearts, but you also provide the way for us to be cleansed from all that sin through Jesus Christ. As we see you, as we own up to the truth of who you are, as we see our sin for what it is, and as we turn from sin and put our trust in you, Lord, you cleanse us. Thank you for doing that this morning. Lord, cause us here at Mercy Hill to be a people who frequently are coming to you and being cleansed. And cause us to be a people here at Mercy Hill who are humble before you. Lord, set us free from pride. We are prone to wander, like the song says. We're prone to leave you, Lord. Take our hearts and seal them to you. Bind them to you, Lord, we pray. Thank you that you will do that. You have done that. You love to do that. So thank you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.